good morning, everybody. Man, it's a great day today to be in church, to share from God's word with you guys here today. My name is Pastor Matt. I'm the young adults pastor here. I do small groups as well and uh, media. And, you know, I know maybe it's cloudy outside. It could feel a little dreary or a little dry outside. I'm not sure what you're going through today. But today we're talking about joy. We're talking about joy. And I'm excited to share from, uh, from God's word today with you. We've been in this emotions series, and I have loved every single week of this series. I was actually at the 55-plus lunch on Tuesday, formerly Young at Heart. Some were asking me, like, how old are you? Why are you here? I'm like, I'm, I'm young at heart, so it's okay. But so I was there, and a few people were telling me, man, I, I really have been loving this series. And every single week, you know, it's been kind of a different staff. I guess I'm, I'm number two now, but... Uh, you know, hearing everybody's voices, everybody brings a different perspective. It's been really great. And so in week one, we talked about compassion, that Jesus has compassion. We looked at that word. If you were here for that first week, do you remember what the Greek word for compassion was? It was kind of interesting. I was like, I made this motion. I was like, if you were to stick your tongue down your throat, it's splagnon. And it's, it's from the innermost parts. That's how Jesus feels towards us. He has compassion when we're hurting and in week two, Pastor Jamal shared about anger and that Jesus actually got angry. And, you know, he talked about how that's not a sin. And Jesus actually got angry on behalf of what was happening to other people. And what he did with his anger, he used it to bring healing to those around him. Oh, that we would be known as that, that Christians would be known that way, that we, when we're angry, it's on behalf of an injustice of someone else, and then we use that anger to bring healing to those around us. What an incredible sermon. And then last week, Pastor Bonnie shared on anxiety, and I'm not sure if you missed it. I actually wasn't here last week. I was at a wedding. Um, I attended, I was in the wedding, I officiated the wedding, there was a lot, and then I performed at the wedding with Rebecca, Wait, it was a whole thing, you can ask us about it later, but, so I missed the sermon, and I listened to uh, Pastor Bonnie's sermon on anxiety, it was incredible, if you did not listen to it, make sure you go back and listen to that sermon, she talked about how Jesus himself experienced anxiety, and how that's a normal emotion, human emotion, like a Flight, uh, fight or flight sort of idea, you know, fear. But what you do with it is what matters. And so Jesus talked to his friends, his disciples. He talked to his feelings, and he talked to his father. It was an awesome message. And so today we're talking about joy. In fact, the verse of the day that I got, to, I, you know, from the Bible app, the, I get the verse every day. It says, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. You know, the Christian life wasn't meant to live on defense. The Christian life wasn't meant to be lived on defense. The Christian life is not meant to be one of weakness, one of defeat, one of, I'm just hanging on a little more. No, the Christian life is, is one of joy, one of confidence, one of victory. That's what the Christian life is supposed to be like. And when we talk about joy... Biblical joy, you may know this, I've heard Pastor Jeff say this so many times, that biblical joy is not based on circumstances, right? That's the difference between joy and happiness. I've heard Pastor Jeff say it so many times, happiness is, you know, you feel happy, but it's based on a circumstance. Joy 
is despite circumstances, I can have a joy in the Lord and biblical joy. That's supposed to be characteristic of the Christian life, of, of us as individuals, you know, that somebody would look at your life, somebody would look at my life and say, man, they, they have a life of joy. Not that they don't have a life of hardship, but they have a life of joy. And also corporately, that all of us together, Christians as a whole, the church is known as, as people of joy. That's how we are supposed to be char- characterized. And so that's kind of the question that I'm asking today and we're going to be answering. How can I experience joy with Jesus? Because the truth is, you may have gotten a text like I did today, a verse of the day. Come to the joy, uh, worship the Lord with gladness, come before him with joy. But the truth is, it's not always easy to do that. If I were to ask you, could you describe your relationship with God, you know, what words would you use? Joy may not be the top of that list for you. And it's funny, I was sharing with somebody this morning, I, you know, Pastor Jamal said it um, his week. He said, you know, he was talking about anger and how, what did Jesus, how did he deal with anger? And he's like, I'm wrestling with this right now. This one was tough for me. And Pastor Bonnie last week talked about anxiety. She's like, this one's close to home. And it's funny when you go to preach on a topic, how all of a sudden it's so difficult. And that's where I'm at, man. It's, it's, today's a tough day for me. But I know that even when you're going through something hard, you can have a joy in the Lord. But what do you do when you don't feel that way? You know, if I were to ask you, hey, describe your relationship with God. If you're giving me a spiritual answer, you may say, oh, it's, uh, it's hopeful. My relationship with God, it's hopeful, Pastor Matt. Okay, that's a spiritual answer. So, so what's a little more honest answer? It's, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Okay, that's, that's a more honest answer. Still kind of spiritual, though. So if we took the spiritual out, what just, just plain old honest, I'm a little weary. I'm a little weary. Describe your walk with God. I, oh, I'm hopeful. Because <laughs> I'm weary. It's... Describe your relationship with God. Oh, it's consistent, Pastor. It's consistent. And, and maybe it is, you know. But maybe it's also just ritualistic. Same old. If, if we're going to continue being honest, maybe your relationship with God is just obligations. You know, I just, I just, you know, we do it and it's fine, you know. Or just we're talking about joy and it's just like, it's just joyless. Like, hey, how would you describe your walk with God? Joy? That's just not on there. Like, I mean, following God's fine and all, but like it's like joy. It just, it's not very fun. You know, there's a bunch of stuff I can't do. Like, maybe that's how you would describe it. Or even there's some of us here who would say following God, it's struggle. It's a struggle to stay on the path, as it were. How can I experience joy with Jesus? The Bible says, hey, come to him with joy and gladness. And again, so for this series, we've looked at emotions that Jesus himself has experienced. And how did he use those emotions to glorify God? And so we want to look at Jesus' life because here's the deal. Knowing what brings Jesus joy is what will enable us to walk in it as well. How do I experience joy with Jesus? Well, knowing what brings Jesus joy is what will enable us to walk in it as well. This is one of those weeks, man. So what about Jesus? What brought him joy? 
appreciate you uh, appreciate you hanging in there with me today, everybody. This is real. <laughs> it's a familiar passage of scripture we're going to be in. I think there's a lot of truth in it for us today. We're looking at God's word, which doesn't change no matter how we feel. We're looking at the words that Jesus shared. So Jesus shared from Luke 15, kind of some of the insight as to what's going on in Luke 15. Jesus told an emotional story to show what brings him joy. It's not just a statement. He told a story to illustrate it. We're in the Gospel of Luke, and the story we're going to look at today, again, is familiar if you've been in church. It's a parable, and a parable is a story with a lesson. You know, some people would say, well, that's what the Bible is, isn't it? It's a, it's a book of parables, right? There's a bunch of um, lessons in it. And so you just have to learn those lessons, and, and that's it, right? That's all I have to do. Well, I would say, yeah, there's stuff to learn in the Bible, but that's a, a naive view, and it's actually an incorrect view. The Bible has many different genres in it, and so we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Luke. And so I got that on the screen. I shared that the first week, kind of how it's divided up. The Gospel of Luke is a biography of Jesus. So here's what happened. Here's what he did. Here's who he talked to. And as part of that biography, it's, oh, here's what Jesus taught. Here's what he did. And so part of Jesus' teaching was to teach parables, to teach a story with a lesson. A lot of times the story, it's fictional. It didn't really happen. But Jesus is trying to illustrate a point, and it makes a lot of sense for Jesus to do this. He's like a master at this, because Jesus, you know, you've heard the adage or the, the statement, right? Uh, a picture's worth a thousand words. Jesus can communicate in a story so much more about God and his love for us in a story than just in a sentence. It's almost like a, like a jewel. It's a multifaceted. There's, there's different angles that we can pull out and see from this story, and so that's when Jesus, when we talk about joy, this concept of joy and how did Jesus describe it, he actually used a story. And so we're in Luke chapter 15 today. If you have a Bible, you can open up to it. I'll have a couple verses on the screen, but you can follow along with me if you want. If you have, if you have it on your phone, you can do that too. Luke chapter 15, and Jesus is, uh, you know, he's with the Pharisees, and the Pharisees are criticizing Jesus because he hangs out with sinners and tax collectors. In fact, those are the people that normally come to listen to him. They're outside of the religious circle. They're outside of the social circle. Why are you associating with them, Jesus? Aren't you like a holy person? You know, and, and again, for us, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, whatever. But, like, think about this. Oh, everybody's welcome in our church. Yeah, everyone's welcome. But who would you think it'd be slightly weird if they came in here? Like, you're like, oh, everyone's welcome, but... If Uncle Gary came in here, I mean, that's, he's on a different level, you know. Or, uh, well, my sister, if she came, or my co one of my coworkers, if they came, I don't even think they believe in God. If they came in here, that'd be, like, weird. So whoever you feel like, like, I, I don't, you know, that, we shouldn't be with them, or they shouldn't be in here. That's who Jesus spent his time with. And the Pharisees are like, why? Well, you know, what's going on with you, Jesus? And so Jesus tells a story to answer them. So we're in Luke 15, 
And this parable we look at, it's actually one of three parables that Jesus tells. They're all saying the same thing. And so the first one he tells is about a shepherd that goes after the sheep. He'll leave his 99 and find the one sheep that was missing. Then he tells another one of a woman looking for 10 coins in her house. And, and she finds the 10 coins. She's frantic. She's looking for those coins. And he says, this is the lesson. This is the point I'm trying to illustrate. In verse 7, he says, right, in the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. And he says in verse 10, same thing. This is the point. It's crystal clear. This is the lesson to take away. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. That's the point. That's the lesson. There's no guesswork here. He's making it clear. So what brings Jesus joy? Jesus has joy when people are restored to God. Knowing what brings Jesus joy will help me to walk in it. And so what brings Jesus joy is when people are restored to God. And we've already seen this in week two when Pastor uh, Jamal shared about anger. What made Jesus angry? It was the money changers and uh, the religious people keeping people from God. He was angry. They were saying, well, you can't commit. Well, you need a nicer sacrifice. Your, your tie needs to be nicer. You're dragging mud in the church. You, you got to come back. That, that's what makes Jesus angry. And so what brings Jesus joy is when people are restored to God. And knowing what brings Jesus joy enables me to walk in it. So now let's unpack the parable. It's Luke 15. We're going to start in verse 11. And I'm looking around just to see any teenagers in Novation. I preached in April, back in April, and I preached on this exact uh, story. So any, of my, any teenagers in the room, you guys should be like eagle-eyed on this story. Like, you, oh, yeah, I remember. Oh, oh, yes, you know, be following with me. So how do I experience joy with Jesus? Jesus tells this story, and many of us know it in the room. A man had two sons, right? This is how the story goes. Two sons. Younger son says to his dad, Dad, um... I want, your, I want my inheritance now. I want it now. I don't want to wait till you die. Right? Today we would have a will. So how you're going to divide up or maybe some of you maybe have inherited that when somebody in your family has passed away. And so it would be insulting today to be like, hey, mom, dad, why don't you sell the house, sell the car, live in a box for all I care because I just want the money. <laughs> it would be insulting now, Right? So in a culture where honor and shame are much higher values than they really are today, I mean, this is just, what? That he wouldn't even speak to his father this way. Wish you were dead. Why don't you just give me the cash now? But his father obliges. He says, all right. You know, we don't know why, but Jesus, remember, it didn't happen. Jesus is telling the story for us to learn. So he says, all right, just imagine the father says yes. The father says, all right, I'll give you exactly what you want. So what does the son do? He goes off to a distant land and he lives it up. Now here's a question, any Bible scholars out there, does anyone know where the distant land is? It, it's a trick question, it's nowhere, because the, the story's fake, it didn't happen, <laughs> it didn't go anywhere. Here's the deal, the distant land, again, it's representative of us. There's a distant land in each of our hearts, isn't there? Somewhere where we want to go. You know, if I didn't have any limitations on me, if, if I didn't have to feel guilty about my decisions, if I could just do this, 
there's a distant land that we want to go to in our hearts. And that's where the son went. He went to the distant land. It just represents the freedom. I can live however I want. And so can you imagine being like 18 years old? You just inherited like half a million dollars. What on earth would you do with that? Like I'd, you'd party, you'd go to the city somewhere. I remember watching a James Bond movie. He was like swimming in a pool in like Hong Kong on a rooftop somewhere. I'm like, yeah, I'd go there, bring all my friends. I'd probably buy a yacht personally. Like be like, oh, this is my party yacht now. <laughs> like how would you spend it? That's what he does. He lives it up, has a great time until he doesn't anymore. And he doesn't have a great time. He runs out of money, which means he runs out of friends. A famine hits the land. He doesn't have a job, and he just needs something to eat. And so he, he finds a farmer, and he, sa- he goes to the farmer, look, I, I just need something. I need food. I, need, I just need to eat. You know, can, can you pay me anything? And the farmer's like, well, you know, I, I'll, I'll feed you. To, uh, I could pay you to feed the pigs. And many of us should have some Jewish friends. We live near Lakewood, a large Jewish community. So you should know pigs are not kosher, okay? So if you're Jewish, like, you usually stay away from that. And so there's, again, layers going on of Jesus showing how deep, how low this guy's gotten. And he's finally feeding. He's feeding the pigs and and the pods. He's he's feeding to them look kind of good. And I can just imagine him, like, how did I end up here? How, how did I get here? Have you ever felt that way before? Like, how did I get here? Like, did, was this me? Did I, did I do this to get here? How am I here? This, this is not what I planned. Can anyone say 2020? Like, it's not what I planned, <laughs> right? Have you ever felt that way? Especially when it comes to our walk with God. And that's what we're talking about today. Not just with anything, but maybe you kind of realize you're not as close to God as you were. I mean, I said, hey, we're talking about joy today. And you're like, okay, with God? Like, I don't... Maybe it's been a while since you've been in church or you were streaming online for a while. And, you know, the kid's schedule gets busy or, you know, look, I mean, it's not like I got a lot of time to pray. Like, we got stuff going on, a family, blah, blah, blah. And then we get in church today. I'm talking about this topic. You're like... I'm this far away from God. I, maybe you didn't mean it, but you, you drifted. You find yourself drifting from God. But here's what verse 17 says. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. He came to his senses. He woke up. He realized, wait a minute. What is going on? And notice that it's not the badness of his situation that woke him up. Because he was as low as you can, like you would have thought at some point he would have woken up, right? Like, no, it's not because the situation was so bad that he woke up. It was the goodness of his father that made him realize, wait a minute. And scripture says that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. He realized how much better it is. With his father, so he plans his apology speech. All right, I'm going to say to my dad this. I'm going to tell him I'm not worthy. I'm gonna... And then in verse 20, so he returned home to his father. How do I experience joy in my walk with Jesus? Take one step towards your father. Take one step towards your father. That's what you need to do. How do you experience joy in your walk with Jesus? 
take one step towards your father. This is what brings Jesus joy. When our relationship with him is restored, when our relationship with God is restored. So what would it look like to take one step towards your father? Maybe you've done something here you're ashamed of. Have you lied? Have you lusted? Maybe you've just lost intimacy with God. You feel unworthy. You feel dirty. You feel unloved. Take one step towards your father. He loves you. This son didn't realize how much his father loved him. He's going to discover as we keep going through the story. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, take one step towards your father today. He loves you. You may be here and and your sin is what's kept you from God. You may feel like this prodigal son. You know what prodigal means? It means wasteful, uh, reckless, uh, stupid. Like you may feel that way. My decisions have been reckless. My decisions have been dirty and wrong and sinful. And I feel far from God. And that's kept you from a relationship with God. It's kept you from joy with God. But Jesus is saying, take one step towards your father today. That's how you can experience joy. Joy, if you're not a Christian in the room, I'm going to give you an opportunity today to pray a prayer. And the prayer is not magic. It doesn't make you oh, something special. It just represents that I'm taking a step towards God today. Don't pass that up if that's you. And for those of us who are Christian in the room, that we know God, you may say, well, Pastor Matt, I, I, I do have joy. You know, I, I, I know God. That's great. But maybe there's an area in your life where it seems like you just can't walk in joy. You can come here on a Sunday morning and you can raise your hands or maybe you serve, you're a youth leader or a greeter or on the media team. And, and you know, I do, I love serving God and I love God's people and, and it's great. But in this area, you just can't walk in joy. You just can't do it. It's like a wall. Like what, why can't I walk in the freedom God has? What would it look like for you to take one step towards your father in that area? Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask him right now. Holy Spirit, what would it look like for for me to take one step towards you in that area so that I can walk in joy? What would it look like? God, help me to know. How can I take one step towards you? Remember, God is a loving father. He has splagnon when we're hurting. Take one step towards your father. Now, normally, you'd kind of expect the story to end there. I mean, if you were listening, you know, it kind of sounds like an anecdote that you would, you know, tell your children, like, you know, and so he, did, he, he got the money, he did whatever he wanted, and then he had to feed the pigs, and, you know, so then he went home. So don't disobey mommy and daddy, right? It just, that's the lesson, okay? Joy with Jesus. Take one step towards your father, and here's the next one. Enjoy a relationship instead of rules. Enjoy a relationship instead of rules. This is what brings Jesus joy. What brings Jesus joy? A relationship instead of rules. And if that brings Jesus joy, that's what enables me to walk in it. Look how the father responds, not just to the prodigal son, but to both brothers. Listen to this. So in verse 20, he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion, And that's right, it's the same one, splagnon, it's the same word. From the inmost depths, he saw him, he saw him, he had compassion. He ran to his son 
embraced him and kissed him. It's that compassion, that love of God. That's what he has as he sees his son. And, and you know, it would have been kind of considered undignified for him to, like, run. He's like an older man. He's the father. But he doesn't care about that because he sees his son. It's a relationship that he has with his son. And in the, uh, the next verse, I think I got it on there. Yeah, he says, he says quick, get, uh, get the robe. Get the nicest robe. It's probably his robe. Get a ring. Put some sandals on him. My son is back. He was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. It's a relationship. Hey, let's kill the fattened calf and celebrate. Let's have a feast. Even that, even that, like, there's so much. The, the calf, uh, we, you know, what, what would they have been saving that for normally? It would have been his son's coming of age. Or his wedding ceremony. So according to the rules, you know, the rules would be, you know, the rules would be, well, we only use that for, you know, the wedding or like when he's, you know, when he's old enough. But no, no, he's, I don't care about that. Throw it out the window. My son's back. It, it's a relationship. This is what brings our father joy. He's, he's dead, but now he's alive. He's home. And this is exactly what Christ has done for us. If you know Jesus in the room, you know this. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it's by grace that you have been saved. You can be made alive today and experience joy through a relationship with the Father. So that's the younger son. And he's kind of the rebellious son. Right, he's the prodigal son, the wasteful son. Well, we see how the how the father interacts with the other brother, the older son. Now, the older son, he's more the rule follower. Okay, now I this is me. I am a rule follower. Is anyone else in the room like me, like rule follower? That is me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyone else? You say more? Uh, nah, not somewhere. I'm like the rebel. Like, yeah, yeah. You tell me to do it, I'm gonna do something else. Like, okay, you know, I am the rule follower. Okay, just. Even if I don't like it, that's the rules. You have to do it. Like, that's where I'm at, okay? So if you're like me, you're like this brother right here. So look at the father's response toward the older son. Not, not, so the rebel and now the rule follower. Again, if you, you, you probably know the story. Most of us do. That um, the brother comes in, and he's, he was out in the fields, and he sees the commotion. All these people are over, and they're all celebrating. Like, you know, what, what's going on? Oh, your brother's back, and your, your father killed a fattened calf. Oh, it's great. We're celebrating. And he's upset. I mean, he's angry. It says he refuses even to go in. He refuses to go in and be there with his father. Now, now remember, the first son, the young, or the younger son, he insulted his father. Hey, you know, why don't you just give me my inheritance now? You might as well, you might as well just die because I want the cash. That's insulting. The father would have been justified in disowning him, especially for squandering it. He would have been completely justified in that or punishing him or whatever. Now the older son is insulting his father as well. He's not just kind of pouting a little bit. He's airing his grievances publicly for everyone to see. I refuse to go in there. Oh, you're throwing a party, Dad? I have nothing to do with it. He's dishonoring his father publicly in front of everybody. So he's insulting his father as well. He says, all these years, I've slaved for you. I never left your side. I never made a fuss about anything I did. I worked so hard for you. You never did this for me. You know, it's so interesting that the younger son was like, man, I'm no, I'm no longer worthy to be called uh, my father's son. Maybe, maybe I could even just be a servant. Now the older brother's like, I've been slaving away. 
And what's he angry about? It's all about himself. He's self-focused and he's self-righteous. Man, Pastor Jamal's sermon, I loved it last week or, or two weeks ago with anger. Jesus got angry on behalf of others, the injustice of what was happening to other people. How much are we more angry about ourselves? This is what he's upset about. You never did this for me. While the older brother was physically nearby, he was close. He was emotionally distant. He, was, he had emotionally drifted. Did you know that it's possible to be around God but not be close? You know, proximity doesn't equal intimacy. Is it possible that you haven't left, you haven't gone anywhere, but maybe emotionally you've drifted towards God, drifted away from God? We talk about joy. Oh, joy. You follow the rules. You don't, uh, I don't know, you don't curse, you don't swear, you don't, I don't do this, I don't do that. You follow the rules. Great, okay. <laughs> the older brother followed the rules. Maybe you're playing the game. Well, I follow the rules. I've been doing this for years. And I'm looking around at, at what everybody else is getting. I'm looking at every other, every, everybody else's miracle, and I'm not getting that, God. You didn't do it for me, and I've been faithful. I'm there every Sunday. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm coming to you. I trust you, God. And so you feel like you're playing a game with God. Maybe you're just checking the box. It's about attendance and memorization. Maybe you've just lost intimacy. You realize you just feel apathetic when it comes to your walk with God. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't say I'm, I'm angry. I just, I don't know. It's nothing special. But look what the father says. Look what he says to his son. His father says to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. Just like he took joy in the restoration of his younger son, the father pursues restoration now with the older son. Just like he took joy in seeking restoration with his rebellious son, now he pursues restoration with his rule follower son. He could have disowned both of them for how they treated him, but he loved them. And he says, everything I have is yours. Everything I have, it's always been yours. Come on. Including the joy that I have. Including the joy your brother's back. I'm joyful about it. You can share in that joy too. If you've drifted far from God today, you can take a step towards your father and you can have a relationship instead of rules. It's okay if you found yourself, wait a minute, I, I am far. I haven't had that joy in God. That's okay because your father loves you and he wants a relationship with you. What brings a father joy? Not rules. And let me add some of these too. Not rituals. It's not, it's not how, how, how many Sundays I get in a month. Not how many chapters I get in a week in my Bible. And it's not results. And that's one for me as well. That I, it's results. It's how good my sermon's going to be. It's how many people I can minister. You know, it's results. It's results. How many life groups can we get? That, God's going to love me more. Like, no. It's not those things. It's a relationship. If you've drifted from God, you can come to him today the Christian life is not one just to be meant to live on defense. It's not just defense. You can experience that joy that comes from knowing God. And so how do I experience joy with Jesus? Take one step towards your father. Enjoy a relationship instead of rules. And here's the last thing that we see in the story. Bring someone with you. 
bring someone with you. This is what brings Jesus joy. And so it's what enables me to walk in joy as well. Look how they celebrate with everybody. Verse 23, he says, they kill the calf uh, we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. And the, the Greek word used here for celebrate, even party, depends on, on what your translation is. Maybe celebrate there again. Uh, the word is euphreno. It means joy. It means, uh, you know, make glad, cause celebration, celebrate implying joy and happiness, cheer, make merry, rejoicing. It, joy, that's what it means. And in verse 7 and 10, the word he used there, kara, it means joy, rejoicing. Like, <laughs> that's it. Hey, let's, let's party. Like, we're, we're happy, we're glad, we're excited. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. And even take what he says, again, the context. We're going to kill the fat calf, we're, we're going to have a feast. That calf, it would have been enough to feed the entire village. And so what brings the father joy? Inviting others to share. Enjoy. That's what the father's doing. Hey, let's get everybody. We want everybody in this to, to, joy, to be joyful and celebrate together. That is biblical joy. That's what biblical joy is like. Biblical joy is not just something that you keep to yourself. Biblical joy is not just something you hide in your heart. It's something that overflows. It affects people around you. That's what biblical joy is like. So bring someone with you. That's what brings Jesus joy. And so you may be here today. You say, hey, Pastor Matt, I hear what you're saying. Take one step towards your father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and relationship overrules. You know, Pastor Matt, I, I feel like, you know, I, I've been okay. I, I try to think of that sometimes in a sermon. You may be like, oh, last week God spoke to me about the rules thing. So I'm, I'm doing okay this week. Great, if that's you. You're like, I'm really focusing on my relationship with God. It's great. That's great. So then maybe this is what you need to do. Bring someone with you. Let that joy overflow. If you want to experience joy in your walk with God, be part of what God cares about. If you're part of the church, you're part of the search. God takes joy when people are restored to him. And so invite somebody to church. Bring somebody with you. When was the last time you invited somebody to church with you? Or uh, <clears throat> maybe give towards missions. Again, today's Mission Sunday. If you've never given towards missions, God cares about this. This is God's heart. People who don't know him. And watch what happens when you give towards missions. Watch what God does in your life and in your heart and the joy that you're going to have. And so, man, take somebody with you. And how about this? Be part of community. You say, well, I, I enjoy the Lord, my relationship. We, need, we all need community. When we're hurting and it seems hard to find joy, it's a struggle to walk in that joy because that's the truth. Joy doesn't mean I don't have any problems. Joy doesn't mean I just wear a smile when I'm wearing a frown inside. No, it's, it's despite my problems, even though it's hard, when I'm having a hard time finding it, you need other people around you. This is amazing. Pastor Bonnie, she said last week, she said, one of the biggest reasons why anxiety can take over is because we are lacking community. Some of us, we've been in life groups. I'm in a Bible study, Pastor. You know me. Okay. Well, maybe you never open up. You're never vulnerable. You, you just always have the answer. Maybe just, it's okay. It's all right to share. We need each other. Jesus had community. That's what Pastor Bonnie had shared last week. We need each other. We all need community. Maybe you can join a serve team, but whatever it is, bring someone with you. If you want to experience joy in your walk with Jesus, bring someone with you. Pastor Bonnie and the worship team, you guys can come back up front. 
Here's what we're going to do today. You know, worship was cut short today, and actually, I, th- I think the team was doing great, and I was excited. I was sitting there worshiping, and we're going to enter back into a time of worship in just a couple minutes, because when we talk about this idea of joy, I was like, well, I don't, I don't want it to be like, so come up to the altar and, and weep, because you don't have joy. Like, you know, like, I think we're missing it. Like, you can, oh, I'm a terrible Christian because I don't have enough joy. That's the defense. That's living on the defense. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Like, God loves us. He wants a relationship with us. And so we're going to enter into a time of worship. You can stand to your feet if you're able as we begin, uh, as the worship team starts to play. But we said the Christian life isn't meant to be played on defense, right? How can I experience joy with Jesus? Knowing what brings Jesus joy is what enables me to walk in it as well. And so Jesus has joy when people are restored to God. Take one step towards your father. I don't know what that looks like for you today. Ask God, what does it look like to take one step towards him today? But in that area where I need to experience joy, how can I take one step towards him? Enjoy a relationship instead of rules. Oh, it's not a ritual. It's not results. It's not because I didn't do these things. That's why I'm not walking in joy. No, it's, it's a relationship with your heavenly father who loves you. And man, take somebody with you. None of us are to do this alone. And notice how the story ends. That is the end of the story in verse 32. We don't hear the older brother's response back. We don't hear his response back to the father. And it's intentional. Jesus is leaving the invitation open to you. What will you do? If you find yourself like the rebellious son or you find yourself like the rule follower son, can you take one step towards your father today? Can you enjoy a relationship with your father today? And hey, bring someone with you. Share in that joy that God has. And so here's what I want to do before we enter into worship. I want to ask if there's anybody in the room who says, I've never had a relationship like that with God today. We're talking about joy with God. That's not my word, man. I've been far from God. But you say, I I want what you're talking about today, Pastor Matt. I I want to walk in that joy with God. I want to take one step towards my Father. If you've never prayed a prayer like that before, I told you this prayer is not magic. But it means that you're taking a step towards your Father. If you say, I want to pray a prayer today where I invite Jesus into my life, where I can take a step towards him, can you raise your hand so I can lead you in a prayer today? I don't want you to miss it if you're here. Got a hand up. Anybody else in the room? You say, that's me. That's me. I I just want to pray that prayer today. I want to come to him. I want to take a step towards my Father. That's awesome. So let's do this today. We're gonna, I want to lead you in this prayer. Everybody, I'm going to ask that you would repeat after me, that we, we all can pray this together. And as we do, we'll enter into the time of worship. So let's, you can repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for your love. I admit that my sin keeps me from you. I need to start the journey towards you. Today I take one step towards you. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. That you rose from the dead. And I can have new life in your name. 
Holy Spirit, enter into me. Make me a new person. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, that's awesome today. That's amazing today. If that was the first time you prayed that prayer, and for those of us who do know God already, who who have a relationship with God, let's make this place a place of joy. We have a couple worship songs we're going to sing together. Don't rush out of here. Let's worship the Lord in spirit and in truth together today. Oh, you